0: 48 hour art check.
1: Best of podcasts. We go live Monday, Wednesday, Friday on YouTube, 9 p.m. California time, and you can join us there live in the chats or watch them later. You can always check things out at slash 48HR. We take the best conversations from those live streams and rip them and put them into this podcast.
0: Today's topic is
2: scheduling and task managing. If I can get on top of certain tasks, and if I could, if I can get it so it becomes a habit, then it just kind of once it becomes a habit, just like the show or whatever. When you, once you start doing something, you just expect it and everything. And so, if I can get some of these things that I want to get done, sort of. Um, on that kind of a schedule, then I can start adding more things. Because one of the the things that I need to do is I really need to start concentrating on other social media, specifically like Instagram. I want to put out more video. I want to put out different video content. And really the only way to do that is to really plan it out. Like, for instance, maybe I schedule one whole day just to do, like, YouTube content and get ahead of that so I'm not falling behind and everything. But it looks like I'm going to have that time. Um, but I just got to make the best of it. So that's kind of where I am right now.
0: Yeah. That actually yeah. makes a lot of sense. It, it kind of rings true to when, um, when I was freelancing for, for the long, like there was a long duration where all that's all I did. And uh, I lived and breathed by scheduling yeah. because what I found was um, probably unwisely, but I mean, this was like, Close to 15 years ago, I, I, I flipped off an art director, literally, <laughs> and I walked out and I went into freelance and I had no floor um, and no savings and, and nothing. And so that motivation of just like, you know, I didn't have wealthy family or anybody to really turn to, to like help me out with rent or anything. And uh, at the time, um. You know, like, my wife and I, like, relied on that income because I was, like, the sole, like, the person covering the rent and groceries and all of that stuff. And so it was, like, this really stupid, by all means, stupid decision. But what I found was the first struggle was finding that workflow, like, finding a, a, a good, consistent way to schedule my day so that I'd treat it like a work day. And because I, by nature, am like a night owl, I'd catch myself like staying up to like five in the morning, just working on art or sending out queries. And it wasn't really planned. It wasn't really scheduled. And I quickly found myself getting um, really disorganized kind of chaos going on. And so productivity was getting cut because I was like, you know, it's like I was eating my own tail, basically. (laughs) Like I was trying to kind of, um, do everything all at once. And that basically just leads to a lot of um, anxiety and a lot of like uh, poorly planned execution. And, and it's not, it's not sustainable. So it worked really well for like the first half a year. And then after that, it was like, it, it just became out of, out of necessity. I had to start relying really heavily on lists. And yeah. so I think, um, Lists and scheduling um, and prioritizing are kind of the, the big secret trick to um, freelance that I think a lot of people overlook. And, um, and, it, and if, you, if you implement, uh, there's a million ways to do it, um, and we'll get into that, I'm sure. But if you implement that kind of thing, it's, it's going to allow you to succeed a lot more, just like having a schedule at a workplace, um because at the end of the day, like right now you're on the clock if you're freelance. And so um, it, without without the mentality of being on the clock, without the mentality of um, of like your work day being a specific amount of time, you you have two potential pitfalls. Sorry, I'm kind of going along. <laughs> There's two potential pitfalls that can happen. Um, by not treating it like a work week. And it usually goes one way or the other, which is the one is you end up watching a lot of Netflix <laughs> and, and um, kind of treating it like a vacation. And then the, the floor drops out and you have to go back to the day job and you're not in a comfortable position at that point. So you're going to take whatever job you can get. So that might mean you got to just go work fast food or whatever, whatever you can get like this second, because you've burnt that uh, candle at both ends, you know um, the other option without it. I mean, the other result is usually the reverse where you are working yourself to death and you are never clocking out, um, which was for a person with my personality. I'm, I've always been a person with a really strong work ethic and, um, like this weird, just sense of responsibility about work. Like I, I, I don't feel right about myself if I'm not working. Yeah. So absolutely. I went, I all that
2: way. yeah.
0: <laughs> I <agree with> <laughs> so I went completely the opposite where I wouldn't go to movies. I wouldn't hang out with friends. I yeah. would just work. And <laughs> if I went to a movie, I would think about work. And if I went to the grocery store, I would think about work. All I was thinking about 24 hours a day was work. And then, Without that moment of kind of clocking out, I I didn't schedule in, like, mental health and, like, um, you know, even meals. So I would, like, miss meals a lot, and they'd be, like, these haphazard meals, and then I'd eat really bad food. Um, And so, you know, the reason I bring those things up is, like, you know, when you're an artist and you're delving into the world of, like, freelance or being a self-sustaining artist – um, or even working in house, um, the same things apply. Like you need to remember to take breaks. You need to remember to schedule a lunch. You need to remember to have days off. You need to remember to, you know, uh, have health insurance and, and cover your health. Because what good is a million clients if you can't? If you if you're if you're like sick and in the hospital, you're not really going to do your own business. A lot of work uh, good, and if you're paying off massive medical bills because, you know, some unfortunate thing happens, you're not going to be doing your business any good, which is why, you know, it's good to have health insurance. Like, so you got to get health insurance, you got to get dentist stuff and, and all of that, um, is, is equally important whether you're in-house or out of house, um, like a nice work life balance. And the only way to achieve work life balance, especially with freelance, um, because you are in a position where you're your own boss in a way that you wouldn't even be if you were the boss of a company where you're employing like five people. Cause at least in that sense, you'd feel accountable to your employees, Yeah. you know, um, it's hard to really just view it as you're your own employee, you're accountable to yourself. And so like, it's so important to start coming up with scheduling. And, um, I always, I always get excited when I hear, um, you know, people talk about it because I, I do think that's one of the tricks to why I succeeded in freelance for so long. Um, uh, that was one of my big tricks up my sleeve was I scheduled like crazy. Um, yeah. I was obsessive about scheduling, and uh, and so we can get into some of the tricks and tactics. I don't know, Corey. Did I kind of? Uh,
1: well, I, I just want to I, I want to give my perspective because uh, I think that'll inform. Um, what I can bring to this conversation, yeah. um, I'm I'm a little bit younger than both of you, and I've never worked freelance uh, full time, and so I've always had I've always had like a day job, um, and what I've found is that I don't naturally schedule things, um, and so I but I but I do want to be productive all the time, and I and I will often make the mistake of jumping into the easiest thing that feels productive, which actually turns out to be busy rather than productive um, and so I'll sit down and I'll go okay this is my time to this is my time to do this and I'll end up doing some random thing that I could probably do at any point in time but not the thing that needs to move the move the project forward and so you know I'll update my website or all of a sudden I'll start tinkering with some, uh plug in you know or something that does something or I'll teach myself whatever and I I get the feeling of productivity without the results of productivity and so mm. what I've what I found is when I have a project I need to break it down into manageable tasks that are repeatable because I don't I'm not good at writing things down breaking things down Um, I am good at saying I need to get a page a week done, or I need to get a panel a day done, or I need to get, uh, three seconds of this animation every 24 hours finished or something like that. And so if it's like, if it's that type of progress, um, and I, and I have some deadlines that I set for myself, then, then I can be, I can be really productive, but without, without that, I end up being very busy and producing maybe a lot of work, but not necessarily the, the work that is important to me or the work that I want to finish. And so that's kind of, so I'm coming in this from a professional standpoint at work when I'm an art director or a marketing director or marketing and sales VP or whatever different roles that I've played. Um, I'm very, very good at managing teams of people and making sure that everybody is on task and moving towards a goal. But when it just comes to myself, I will often just kind of sit down and be busy unless I, unless I kind of plan that out. And so that's I just wanted I just wanted to set that stage because it's interesting um, yeah. to hear you guys talk about it because I can imagine what that's like. Um, but I mean, the longest period of time that I've ever not had a job um, was was five and a half weeks after I graduated college. And so I've always, I've I've never had to, I've never had to do it. I I choose to do it because it makes me feel better, but I've never like had to rely on that income.
0: Um, Yeah. And you know, there's, there's an interesting thing that happens with the having to, Um, like the, the thing that was weird, um, like with the, the whole situation I was in with, with freelance was it's not like I couldn't have at the time applied for, full-time work. Mm-hmm. I was in a very similar um, position to kind of Scott where like, I just kind of didn't want to, like I was kind of done working for other people.
1: Yeah.
0: And so for me, it was more of like, I just kind of convinced myself that that was the only option because I wasn't going to work for other people. Right. Um, I would work for other clients, but I wanted to run my own thing. And, um, and so when, when that becomes a non-negotiable, that becomes a really big, beginning and it, and it gives you a big motivation to succeed and that will force you to start implementing things like what you were talking about, Corey, that you implemented in the workplace because at the end of the day, like it, it literally is not sustainable to just go at it with just chasing whatever your whims are. Right. And, um, and so, uh, so some of the, some of the things that I would do, that, um, and, and it's interesting cause it kind of evolved, but by the end of it, when I was, when I was much more kind of used to it, um, I had a scheduled time of day for sending out leads, um, because I would recommend kind of like viewing it as though you're your own workplace. So it's like, if you're your own workplace, then you need to be your sales department. You need to be your marketing department. You need to be your finance department. And you basically need to be the art department. And that's a lot of hats to wear. And most businesses have different people managing those things. And it's a lot of, we've talked about this on, on our show before, but like the task switching penalties um, that you kind of uh, experience when you kind of switched gears to a different mode of thinking. The way that I kind of got around that with freelance because you feel that pretty hard, especially when you're working on your own, Um, when you're switching gears from like different modes of thought. I found it really helpful to like schedule out my day with different branches of my business. Like, so in the morning I would have a specific window of time where I would check my emails, respond to clients, provide quotes. So I was like at that point being a secretary Um, and then after secretarial, I would send out leads, um, or chase leads. And it was a designated amount of time, like 30 minutes to an hour a day, sometimes two hours a day. Um, I would send out for potential leads. Um, and I scheduled that time so that even if I was like blank for leads, that time would be about researching. Like, what do I want to do next? Do I want to work on a book? Um, but making sure that I wasn't spending a lot of that time in unproductive kind of Googling wormholes, you know? Yeah, right. um, I always wanted it to be an active thing. So within that window of an hour or whatever, you, you spend that time actively. So meaning, like, don't second-guess it. If you're like, I really want to get into kids' book publishing, then, like, that hour and a half is emailing and, you know, sending out postcards and doing this stuff for kids book publishers, and that's there's your, your hour. From there I'd go to client work, um, and then I scheduled in a lunch. <laughs> like it was really weird, but it's like I had broken it down into these little chunks that made these things more manageable. Um and then I would basically allot a specific time for revisions. If there was a crazy deadline, then a lot of this scheduling would go out the window just like it does in the workplace Yeah, um, where it's like when you get a rush, you deal with the rush. (laughs) Um, But outside of that, like it it was a, a somewhat sustainable thing. And then I actually started and initially for like the first few years, I didn't have a clock out time, but I started trying to kind of implement a clock out time and even allowing myself weekends and charging clients even more if um, they were giving me work where I would have to work over the weekends. Um, and that actually led to a much more sustainable way of doing it, but it's a lot to keep track of. And uh, I, I'm curious kind of like what, what you guys implement. I know, Corey, you use a lot of task managing software and stuff because, um, like, now I'm in a much more similar boat to, Corey, what you're describing where it's like I'm I'm – you know, doing my day job. And then I'm trying to balance doing creative projects that are more, I'm more pursuing for creative fulfillment. Um, but still there's a lot of juggling, especially with being a parent and we're all juggling being parents and working and then also doing our own creative projects. So it's like coming up with a system to schedule is really smart. Mm-hmm. Um, at, at the time and to this day for me um, at, at my workplace, we use this thing called task freak which is like a, a status. Um, it, it's just basically a program where you can input a task and then you can mark it as you go along yeah. all the way up to 100%. So you can keep track of an
1: entire team and their workflow. Um, and I, I've, at worked, home, I've worked at four four different places <laughs> yeah. and I've noticed something about project management software. And if anybody has ever worked uh, at a place where they either has been project management software or has uh, had somebody try to implement project management software, there isn't good project management software out there. What there is is that, um, because everybody wants it their own way, is you get a group of people that will all choose to agree that this is the way we're going to do it, and then any of them will work. And so I've, I've seen people waste a ton of time trying to prove that, you know Oracle's project management software, or you know the open source one that's out of Germany, or uh, you know this one or that one. You know is the best one, and the best one is the one that everybody agrees to use. Um, yeah, exactly. I think I think and, and they all have they all have huge upsides and downsides, and they will all completely fall apart as soon as somebody starts poisoning the well and talking crap about it. Um, and then you either you've either got to get rid of that person or get that person in line. Um, and, and you make it so that it has to happen. Um, that, yeah. That's what I've seen in, in, in teams of people. Is Yeah. Yeah, go ahead.
0: Yeah, and I mean, our, our, I think why our project management software is so successful where I work is that everyone's on board. We right. have them all sold on it. Yep. And the other thing that's really important for a group task management system like that is that everyone's on board, the directives are really clear, and that everyone's contributing to it because the the task management is only as valuable as what's being put into it. So basically, if the team isn't updating the tasks, then the software is kind of useless. Right. Um, But if everybody on the team is updating the tasks in the same way and you have really clear um, protocols on how to use it and utilize it, um, it becomes like a breeze. And I've had so many people who freelance for my company who come in and are like blown away by how well structured and organized our, um, our server system, yeah. our organization system and, and, and our, our little task freak thing works. And and I think part of why it works too, is it's not super complicated. It's, it's a very simple workflow. It's a little a bit of a headache at first, but um, I think, and and I'm going to kind of harp on this for my own stuff too, but I think simplicity actually makes these things more effective. Yeah. So I think if you overcomplicate it or you get a program that has too many bells and whistles, you might end up spending that hour and a half a day that you could be sending out lead emails, updating your own little project management software and, and kind of losing really valuable time for either your employer or if it's yourself for your own self, which is, um, you know, you want to utilize all your time to be the most effective you can. So simple's good. Yeah. And um, I have,
1: what, I have two, I have two that I use and I know that good. Scott, Scott uses these as well. So I'm curious on his, his opinion. Cause he's got a couple other tools that he's mentioned that I am aware of, but I've never tried, um, but because because I am, I think, visually um, – for, for example, I'll tell, like, a 10-second story. Uh, there are two other professors and myself that are trying to plan something, and we use, like, Voxer, which is just like a walkie-talkie app, basically. And listening to people talk about dates is – the most confusing thing that i think i i feel like i'm the dumbest person on the planet during these conversations because it's they're like it it, they could be speaking yiddish and i would understand just as much of what is going on as they're saying well on the 12th and the 11th and then the 50 it's like holy crap what is going on so i have to see it i have to see it or it doesn't work for me and everybody's different but for me um, I, it has to be visual and so I will do I will do two things and they're both based on the same on the same principle and this is the the simplest thing that I've that I've figured out for me and what it is is it's based on um, beginning with the end in mind which is which is a quote from uh, Stephen Covey um, who, who's a big business guy or whatever right um, And if you start with the end and then work your way back from that, And I call that back planning. You're able to get everything done that you need to get done. And so if somebody says, how long will this take you? And you start from today and you say, oh, yeah, it'll probably take me like, you know, six weeks or something. Like, that's not going to be accurate. You're just pulling that out of your butt. You have no idea, right? But if you say, okay, well, let's start at the end. I want to end up with this result. To get that result, the last step is this. And the step before that is this. And the step before that is this. And before I can do this thing, there are these three things that need to happen at the same time. And then before one of those can happen, these two other people need to be concurrently working on this. And so you work backwards from the end goal. And that is a big, giant, and it's called a Gantt chart. And I don't like Gantt chart software, so I actually just do that on a whiteboard. And so, and I will draw it physically. If I'm doing a brochure, I will draw a brochure, and then I will do visual call-outs. I need somebody to write the copy. I need somebody to shoot the photos. I need somebody to do this, and then I'll I'll break all of those assets down of what needs to be accomplished to get that finished thing and then work backwards from the assets. Okay, if I need that finished thing, I need somebody to do the post-production. I need somebody to take that photo. I need somebody to dress the set and get the actors and models, and I need to work back from that on this copy. I need to have finished copies. I need a copywriter. Bah, blah, blah blah blah. Before I need the copy, I need the concept. Before I need the concept, I need you know the message and the and the audience and, and all that stuff. And so you work backwards from that. I call that backlining. And then once I have all of my assets and I have all of my interdependencies. For example, an interdependency would be um, a, a comic book. Since we're all kind of into comics, um, having having a character designed. Okay, I can't do any any panels without having that character design. So a panel is interdependent on uh, character design. And I can't do character design until I understand like who that character is and I have some kind of a script. So the character design is dependent on the script. And I can't have a script unless I have a writer. And so the script is dependent on the writer, right? And so you kind of have all those interdependencies. And so <clears throat> once you figure out all of your assets, all of your interdependencies, and what order things need to happen in, Then I jump into Trello, and Trello is awesome because, for me, it's very visual. You break down each task or each asset into a card, and you can physically move that card around, and you can kind of set it up however you want, but the way I set it up is I set it up with milestones, and so I'll have, for simplicity's sake, uh, the thumbnailing stage, the penciling stage, the inking stage, the coloring stage, and the layout, like the book production stage and so when I get page one penciled I move that card to the penciling board when I get page one inked I move that card to the inking board when it gets colored it gets moved over and so I can at a glance I can see every single asset that needs to be created every single page every single task um, and I know exactly where I am and all of those things um, and you also get this little like completion bonus every time you like move one of those cards it like feels good. Yeah. yeah, so I'm curious. I swear to
2: Toronto, so, yeah.
1: yeah, and and Scott, you also use um, like Evernote and some other things. So how mm-hmm. how how are you using those tools? Because I'm sure that it's not exactly the same way I'm doing it.
2: So yeah, so I'm just looking at my Trello board right now. So I'm in a thing that says I've got a board it says SurfWorks YouTube channel, um, and in that I've got uh, let's see, video intros. I've got YouTube tasks. I've got promotion video themes, topic ideas. <laughs> making comic series, that's all the series that I'm going to be doing, and then the complete folder where I just drag stuff to when I'm done with it. Um, And then some of those, within those, I've got checklists. And then, you know, for like, say if I was going to work on a comic, I'd have, you know, script, uh, pencil, ink, you know, all that stuff. And then once I'm done, and it can be broken up more than that, but then I'll have check marks on it. And then it'll give you a little status bar to show you how far along you are. So that's, like, one of my boards. Um, let's see. What else do I got? Let's see. I've got one that's just, like, task dump. So if I come up with just an idea that I want to get to eventually. And I kind of always have to go back and check and then bring them into my main board. Yeah. Um, let's see. a brand. I got one called Brand Launch, which is my comic starter kit, which I finished. So that's, you know, that's, that status has ended. But now I'm going to be doing a deluxe version of that that's going to be, like, a paid version. Um, so I'm going to start on that. I've got my newsletter, um, you know, which has graphics, copy, uh, the template, the tip ideas, video ideas, um, got my website, a rebrand, all that kind of stuff. But the one I, what I spend most of my time with is just one that's uh, weekly to do. So it's basically, I just got a board for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And, um, and then I, you know, I, I usually load up as much tasks and it's usually always more tasks than I can do in a day.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um,
2: and then, but I'll usually put the, I, cause it's so cool cause you can just reorder it. It's just drag and drop. You move it or move around. So I usually put them in order of importance, even little, little tiny things like, Oh, I got to remember to call this person or something yeah. like that and then and you get that sense of satisfaction and after you do something you just drag it over to the done file and i i, I mean my done file just goes on forever cuz i don't i don't archive it as much as i should <laughs> see i <laughs> but it's nice I, to see all that stuff
1: <laughs> i archive them i archive them so they go away cuz it stresses me yep. out to see things on my board so i see things well, on, on my board
2: well even file when but to me when you look at the done file it's got a bunch of stuff that gives you more of a sense of accomplishment so, so it's my yeah, objective to get all that stuff yeah. over
1: to that. Thumb. I like I like the idea of using it as a calendar. I also want I also want to point point out something. This can this type of idea can also help you choose what projects you should be working on. So instead of instead of saying a brochure, which is my back planning example, right? Because um, th- that's something that somebody's going to bring to me. They're going to say, "Hey, I want you to design this brochure." Instead of doing that, um, you could say, "What? Where, where do I want to be?" In a year or two years, you know, and then you imagine, oh, I want to have, I want to have a couple children's books done. I want to have two issues of this comic. and I want to have a a few videos. You say, okay, what do I need to do to become the person, you know, who has all those things finished? Or, uh, you know, what do I want to be? Well, I want to be, I want to be employed at this company, or I want to be employed by this thing, or I want to have, you know, I want to be recognized as a whatever, right? And so, okay, well, what are the attributes and and accomplishments of people who are those things? And you literally break that down, and you say, okay, well, somebody that is a recognized children's book illustrator has several published children's books, okay? So that means that I need to uh, do that. And so you back plan from what you want to become, and that will help align your projects, right? So for me... um, you know, children's book illustration uh, and editorial illustration are kind of my are kind of my long term goals. I, I'd like, you know, I'd like Wired and The Atlantic and The New Yorker to call me up and say, <clears throat> you know, we've got an article and we like the way that you think, so you know, here's the article. Do an illustration for it. And so, you know, um, everything everything that I do is geared towards one of those two goals because that's how I've decided years down the road that I would like to be known. And so how am I going to be known that way by doing projects and sharing them publicly? Um, you know, and so I just reverse, I just reverse engineered and backplanned uh, what I'd like to become. It's almost like, and Harry Potter is kind of a, a childish example, but it's a great example. He like, he, he's, he's down there, he's being attacked he throws this, or, or somebody somebody comes up that he thinks is his dad that throws a Patronus out and whatever, and then later on he realizes that it's him that does the Patronus, and so he's able to do it or whatever. It's kind of like this time travel thing, right? Um, and it's the same thing as where, like, if I know it can happen because other people have done it, and if I imagine myself doing that thing, uh, then all I have to do is just back plan from that picture of myself to today and what would I be working on today if that were a reality? And then it will become a reality.
2: Yeah, like see it so you can be it, or there's something like, probably so, some other way to say that better, or some other phrase that I, I don't remember quite. But.
0: Yeah, That's true, though. I, I, I think, um okay, so there's a couple things I want to touch on, because I think the method's uh, a little... The, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm blanking out on the way to phrase it, but basically... I think my method is the same, but my tools are different.
1: Yeah. So, what are your um,
0: tools? So, I actually use a corkboard, like a literal corkboard, because I like physicality and I like old school. Um, and I make a lot of lists, and I have um, they have a little checkbox next to them, and I like to check them off when I'm done with them, and then completely scratch them out. I usually check it off and scribble it out yeah. when I'm done with uh, an accomplishment. Um, but I do do a lot of reverse engineering on goals. And I think that that unfortunately is like, I don't think that's taught often. Um, I think the only area that really teaches that is mathematics maybe. Um, but I, but I don't see a lot of that kind of thinking encouraged in schools. And I, I do think that one of the advantages of like a college that a lot of people don't, um, a tribute, like there, I, I have noticed a trend online of like kind of saying like, well, people don't need college. And I don't think all people need college, especially to learn art. But I do think if there's anything that's going to teach you ba- back planning, it's college. Because if yeah. you don't back plan and you're juggling multiple uh, courses and you have to get homework in for multiple classes and they are different modes of thinking and you're not planning, you're going to find yourself underwater pretty quick. Yep. Yeah. And so, um, you know, like, this whole habit for me probably started with, like, college planners um, and old school planners, like the little book, you know, um, with the calendar and the daily planner and stuff like that because it was just out of necessity. And um, I find that doing it manually is just – it works better with my mind. Like, I don't like – Digital. I don't feel fulfilled when I, when I put something in a bin digitally. And so for me, like on my personal work, I just, I like to have it actually be a physical thing. Um, the other nice thing is like, it, it's a great way to reuse old prints <laughs> paper. Right. Um, but, uh, but, but the one thing I, I um, what you were talking about with reverse engineering, I think it's so important because, um, That's how I ended up in Wired Magazine. Like I did have, like I said, I had a schedule that I had kind of worked out, and then I would kind of target something that I wanted to hit. And there was a brief period of time where I really wanted to do editorial.
1: Yeah. And
0: so I targeted a lot of editorials and stuff, and I reverse engineered a lot of editorial artists that I liked, and I contacted some of them too just to, like, ask them, like, you know how, how's the pay like uh, how how do you get into this kind of thing you know um, I didn't ask them what they were getting paid <laughs> right you know because I think I find that when you ask that kind of question to somebody who's not a friend it just
1: it tends to deaden a conversation the other question um, you should never ask is hey can you give me all your contacts exactly <laughs> yeah like who's the art director who hires
0: you because I'd like to contact them and steal your job right um, uh, I got a lot of those too. Back when we were doing BIPT, Kevin and I used to joke about it because, um, we loved our audience and stuff, but the most common email we'd get is like, Hey, could you send us your client list? It's like, and we'd be like, are you what? like, like, at, like, once again, I, I think it's just an example <laughs> of people not viewing art as a job because like what, on what planet would you email like a competitor and say, like, hey, can you give me all your sales leads? Yeah. You know, like, it's just not done. And, yeah. and just because oh. we're artists, like, it, it doesn't mean I'm going to give you my bread and butter. You know, I'm
2: all about sharing information and stuff like that, but that's nice. that's a bridge too far. Yeah.
0: And we got that all the time, like yeah. all the time. Like, literally, that would be, it would be like, hi, I listen to the podcast can you give me your client list? And we'd be like, no, <laughs> no, we that? can't. And uh, eventually we both had a canned response. So it wouldn't sound, you know, negative, but it was like an explanation as to why not that yeah. we just kind of cut and paste. But, but the point <clears throat> being, um, you know, reverse engineering is really good. And that process that you very eloquently described of kind of like finding the end point and then kind of asking a few questions about it. Like, how do you get there? Like what would have to have to happen before that happens? What would have to happen before that happens? It's a very like basic logic based process. And, and that process, um, if you ever get into like upper management or like into our direction, it, if you can't do that process, you won't hit deadlines on yeah. big projects that need multiple people. Um, and luckily I had built that and suffered from not like suffered the blows from like not building that sometimes properly, um, with my own business so that when it came to running someone working with somebody else's money and somebody else's business, I'm much more reliable because I've had to work with budgets and with timelines and stuff before. But, uh, but I definitely recommend it, you know, um, using whatever that is, whether it's like, you know, checklists that you're tacking to a cork board if you're old school like me or or you're using, um, you know, a task management program online, whatever it is. Um, the one thing I'd really encourage people to do is also set a schedule and, and you have to do all the components of what a business does. So you start with the vision, you know. Um, I'm just going to kind of lay out like the way I would do it, which is start with the vision of like what you see for your freelance business, um, in, in a year, start, start maybe a year, especially if it's your first year of freelance, um, maybe two years. Um, don't go too far (laughs) for the reverse engineering, just like a, a really, um, like what's the wild vision that you want to hit and then just start deconstructing from there. Um, how you get to your month and then till you get to months from there to weeks from there to days and then you'll know exactly what you should do in the first day yeah uh, because that's what stifles a lot of people when they're trying to um get into freelances is, is like for one thing the floors dropped out so you need money right um Number two, like you know, you need benefits, you need health insurance, you need all these things, and that's good to write all those things down, like because that's going to tie into your your finance department, right? Um, so you write that down. You have your current budget, so you have a projection of where you need to be from that. But but then, what do you do with your days when when it's limitless? Like,
1: yeah.
0: you know, you can you could literally um, walk through the grocery store and see a million different illustrations on a million different products. And which one do you want to target? You know, that's a really stifling question. And one thing that can help you come up with that target is just thinking that like big vision, like what's your vision? Are you going to be the guy who does skateboard decks? Are you going to be the guy who does all street art? Are you going to be the guy who does, you know, uh, like in Scott's case, like the mad science supply company, Um, you know, uh, like, are are you going to be, like, the children's book artist slash, like, awesome animator, you know, like Corey? Like, the, there there's kind of this vision and this target of where you want to be, and then you just kind of reverse it from there, and it becomes more attainable. And the best part is, even if you don't end up there, it gives you a direction to run. And if you get sidelined and end up in a totally different market that's viable, um, it it, weirdly by having some direction, it's going to get you closer to some market, even if it's not the one you intend, than having no direction and just trying to shoot
1: everything all at once. Um, I've got, I've got a great analogy for that. Um, Yeah. And I, and I probably mentioned this before, but this, this completely changed my life. Um, it's a uh, grace grace hopper who was um kind of the first programmer anyway she said a ship in the harbor is safe but that is not what ships are made for and and the thing that's interesting about ships is you have to have water moving across the rudder for the rudder to do anything because it's different than being on land right if i'm in a vehicle the wheels are like physically touching something that has like 100% friction. And as I, well, not 100%, but as, as I turn the wheel, the car moves, right? Um, but in a boat, if you're not actually moving in a direction, you can turn the wheel all you want and you will have zero movement in that boat. And so picking a direction is really interesting because I'm going to say that I want to be X, okay? I know where X is. I don't exactly know how to get to X, but I know where it is. And so I'm going to head towards X, as, as hard and fast as I can and what will happen is as I leave the harbor, the winds are going to change, the waters are going to change, the current's going to change, and I will also be able to see more of my surrounding and more of my options than I knew when I was docked. And so a lot of the time, um, you know, people are like, oh, I want to do art for a living or I want to write for a living or I want to do whatever. And they can think of like three things that they could do for a living. But once you start moving in a direction and you are creating towards that direction and you have that momentum from that movement and from that constant creation, what you're actually going to see is that there are a lot more options and almost a hundred percent of the time you will find something more enticing and that is better, a better fit for you than your original goal because you're moving in that direction and changing course is not bad. It's, it's almost expected. Um, but you didn't even know that thing was was out there because the, the, the land and the buildings were blocking it or because it was too far off into the distance or it was over the horizon or whatever. And so you have to pick a direction, and you can almost pick any direction. And if you strategically move in that direction, it will expand your vision of what is available. Um, and that's, that's like a super interesting way of, of kind of like doing this type of thing.
0: Yeah, and I mean I th- I think it might be a personality thing too, but I think if you're going to go into freelance, you have to be the type of person who'd rather die at sea than at port. Right. And uh and like, you know, um to me it's like it the, the thing that I'll, I'll 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 say just to kind of reinforce what you're talking about is um non-action based research as a business. Um, and especially your own business can really like it, it's 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 like putting on a suicide vest and just pulling the trigger or whatever. It's right. it's, it's it's not um, it's not beneficial um, now to be too action oriented can be detrimental. You should do the reverse engineering, do some thinking, right. do some hard thinking, take the time, take a day to like do the thinking of like what your day to day needs to look like for you to reach your objective, and then you're gonna have to have those moments like once every three months just to remind yourself like are we on course, are, are we heading towards land, are we like heading into a storm, whatever it is, you need to reassess every once in a while. You can't just blindly, um, you know, go out to sea because that's that's like a, a, a death sentence right there too. Yeah. But the point being, if you navigate it um and and you're action based then when you see land you know you can head to a port that maybe you didn't imagine but by taking action and every time kind of reassessing and action like every every analysis you make should be backed by action and that's why like these task things are great but they're only useful if there's action yeah. because And the the reason I want to harp on this is, like, I knew a lot of people out of art school who wanted to get into freelance. And I I put that in quotes, like, wanted to freelance. But a lot of them would be mystified when they met me when I was doing freelance for, like, ten years. And they're, like, ten years in, I bump into them, they're at a day job they hate. And they'd be, like, how do you do it? And a lot of them didn't realize a lot of it's just action a lot of it's just action and yeah. like a refusal to just like to, to basically stay at port. Yeah. And so I think personally, I think if you have a smart way of organizing and tracking, um, and planning, and then you just make it based on action based items, like what can you take action about to get a client? Cause that's the big trick to getting clients that everybody, you know, um, who listens to illustrators and they're looking for the dark deep secret to getting clients. The big secret is action. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: You know? Um, and, and nobody likes hearing that cause that means work, <laughs> and, but that's how you do it. That's the trick. That's how you get, that's how you get clients. How do you retain clients? It's action. You provide good work to those clients that they're fulfilled with and then they hire you again. Um, it's all like action based, but it's the same thing. How do you build on that? Well, then you have to expand your client base and that takes action and then you have to chase leads and that's an action. Yeah. Um, you know, one of my goals, like one of my more secret goals that I don't like talking public a bit publicly about, cause it's, it sounds kind of cocky. I don't know if I'll ever get there, but one of my big vision goals would be to get an Eisner. Yeah. And um, th- that's definitely one of those things. Like it, it wouldn't, you know, complete my life or anything, but it would be amazing. Um, but if, if I just went (laughs) to like all the people who vote and the Eisners and just was like, give me an Eisner, (laughs) you know, (laughs) it's not going to get me an Eisner.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so uh, once again, I have that like big kind of crazy dream. And then behind that is like, well, what do people who get Eisners do? They do a really incredible comic. And then, well, what about else about that comic? Well, it's distributed. Like, it's a popular comic. It's it's something a lot of people have heard of. Yeah. Um, and so then you kind of reverse engineer from there, and that's led me to a lot of the decisions I'm making on the day to day basis um, are based on that. Maybe less so than they were when I started, Um, because now my end goal is like probably more akin to like, who do I admire? You know, as an artist, and then I'm like, okay, I I admire these guys. What do they all have in common? And then kind of deconstructing from there. So, But but anyhow, my point was just like, you know, don't forget the action part of it because um, it's very easy, like at least for me, I found that it was very easy to lose
1: days when you're freelancing. I I also think Um, it's important to point out that um, there isn't a perfect planning system. And yeah. you can you can lose days in trying to perfect the planning system, and so I, I like I like the focus on strategic action because I have spent a considerable a considerable amount of time um, trying to perfect you know the perfect project management or trying to perfect the perfect planning system or the perfect task management or the perfect ticketing system. And it, it doesn't exist. The only, one that, the only one that ever works is the one that you're willing to stick to and take action on and, and keep updated. That's, that's it. And so there's going to be something that comes out that's better than Trello. There's going to be something that, you know, because there always will, will come out come something and you will adapt to the needs of your production and your action more than you will to the needs of your hopes and desires. Um, you know, and so, cause your hopes and desires don't actually require anything of you. Um, but your action and your production requires stuff of you. And so, you know, your hopes and desires are just a fart in the wind if you never do anything about it. You know, it's, it's, it's there, but it's just kind of gone, you know? Um, you
0: know what I like to think of hopes and desires as is like, it's like the, this, the, the little spark when you start an engine. Yeah. It's not meant to be anything other than a starter in a car. Yeah. And so without hopes and and, and and intention and dreams and stuff you, you wouldn't even be able to get the, the engine going. Yeah. And and to keep the engine running you're going to need that spark every once in a while. But still it's literally just this tiny little zap of electricity that gets the whole car going.
1: Yeah, and you need and the, so, the rest of the engine and the fuel and you know the the tires yeah. and the road. And, all that and the engine's going to
0: gonna do most of the work, not that little spark. That little spark's meant to ignite the engine. And yeah. that's, you know, if you if you view that analogy as like, we're the engine, our art is, you know, the, the product of the engine, the, the literal, like the only purpose of those hopes and dreams is to just get you like in the gut to where you're like, I have to do this. And, and for most people who are aspiring to like run their own business, it's like that, like, you know, um, if you have the intention to like start freelance full time, like a lot of it's just like, okay, how do you make that happen? Because like the thought is is one thing, but the reality is another. It's cool though, and it's exciting to me, um, Scott, like what you were sharing about freelance, because I think you're in a perfect position to make it work because of the fact that, you you've done so much of the the work to kind of lay the groundwork, and you have a strong portfolio. You have a way um, a way more solid foundation than I think I've ever had when I, when I was doing freelance and and ma- managing to do that for a living. So yeah.
2: Well, I just just to, just to be clear, I mean, I'm not I'm I'm not trying to really concentrating too much on freelance. Like, um, I mean, I I've got. I've got income from freelance clients that are ongoing. Yeah. My, you know, what I'm beyond that now, it is kind of scary. having have putting a lot of my eggs in those couple baskets, but, um, the other income I'm talking about having to build is stuff that I'm going to try to build with yeah. my own stuff, like my digital products and all that kind of, because ultimately that's the way I'm going to go. That's the way I've always been moving. Yeah. I'm just now kind of thrown in a, position where now I have to really make that happen. Um, whereas before it was kind of, you know, I had that stuff on the side. It was all extra. Now that's that extra is the thing right now. So, but, but yeah, so my, my goal isn't necessarily to uh, woo a ton of extra like freelance clients. Yeah. It's more to spend my free time building my brand and my other. Exactly.
0: Stuff. But getting returns and stuff, which is, which is a huge, um, kind of awesome goal and I think I think you're club I, I, to me I think if if you map it out um, you you have a better shot than, than quite a quite a lot of people to make it work and I, 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 to me the other thing that's great about that is um, just by making the action you're gonna be closer than you've ever been you know because yeah. you've been making the action but now you have less barricades in the way. You know,
1: um,
0: which is super exciting.
1: Yeah. Okay, okay um, I've got to call it. You guys can keep going if you want, or should we wrap up? Well, let's wrap up.
2: We can wrap up. Okay. I mean, we could keep talking, but I mean, we 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 would just keep talking because <laughs> there's so much more to this topic. So we got to put a pin in it somewhere.
1: Okay, um, so yeah, I, I, I'm super curious. Those of you that are uh, watching this or listening to this later, um, what are your what are your planning techniques and any particular um, software uh, that you use um, if you're using Trello? How are you using it? If there's something else out there uh, that you're just in love with, like Basecamp or whatever, um, or Slack or whatnot, let us know what that is. I'm super super curious on what that is. If you want to check out Josh's stuff, then you can go to uh, QuarterlyStories.com. He's got that available on Tapas.io, which is an app that you can download, and you should do that right now. While I'm talking, get on your phone, download that app and uh, go and subscribe to his thing. If you want to check out my stuff, you can go to CoreyKerr.com. I'm currently working on 18 days of animation. I can't remember what day I'm on, but I am in the middle of uh, some stuff, and so subscribe to my YouTube channel, which you're on right now. Um, If you haven't already subscribed, do that. If you haven't already hit that bell, hit that bell. That's what the butterfly has been telling you to do. Um, Then you get notified when I go live. And if you want to check out uh, Scott's stuff, you can always go to CircWorks.com. And uh, at circworks.com, you can currently get on a really awesome email list where uh, you're going to get a newsletter with a lot of the stuff that we're talking about and even more uh, tips and tricks from the master, as well as a brand new and free um, package of uh, assets that you would need to, to make comics and, and do that really well. We will uh, check you guys out later. And if you're listening to this podcast, I forgot to mention this. If you're listening to this podcast, um, make sure to give us a five-star review on whatever podcast app you're listening to. And uh, share this podcast and and this program with with one other person uh, before we go live again on Wednesday, um, because that's where we're going to grow our army. You guys are awesome. Keep making stuff, and we'll catch you in a couple days.
2: Bye.